Back so soon, I knew you would not falter. One more for the show. <laughs> come, sit. You have passed the 13 episodes, and you come to our podcast to listen to the game of life and death. Your stake is wagered. I refuse none who come here, yet I say, turn back. The recording begins. One lives and one dies. <laughs> Let well, us see what podcast. you are making. Uh, it's been a great podcast, guys. <laughs> everyone's everyone's tuned off now. Uh, well, I got, I got, I'm almost, almost done with the, the intro. I am the dealer of the Going Rogue Gaming Podcast, Scott Berger. Here are the members of my court. Uh, I'll, I'll chime in. Why not? Uh, I, I bet you'll be grateful for that anyways, as you might even say to that. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a will. Um I don't have any flavor text around that. <laughs> Just that's it. That's me. I am Colin, wielder of the mighty hammer. Uh, and, and I'm Dahlia. Shields. Sorry. <laughs> and, and I'm Dahlia. And I'm wondering what the other two of us are going to do if only one of us lives and the other one dies. Do we just kind of phase out of existence doing neither? Um, no, I think you get turned. Well, no, you don't get turned into a card in this game. I think you just. You you have to go through a forty five minute gauntlet in endless mode is what happens. Oh. Mm. But uh, but yes, listeners, today we are talking the uh, the games Hand of Fate one and two, uh, and Mono's Hands of Fate, but yeah, only uh, by accident. I was uh, yeah I was gonna uh, uh, skew people astray for a sec by by saying yeah the uh, the games that we were playing were released in on November fifteenth nineteen sixty six and directed by Harold P Warren, but <laughs> That Colin, that actually tricked you at first, didn't it? When we said that we were going to play Hands of Hand of Fate, didn't you? It did. Uh, we're all playing from your Steam library, and I found it, and I was like, "Hands of Fate, that must be the game we're playing." It's from from the '90s, based off the movie, and it's very bad. Don't play it. The game you're <laughs> looking for is Hand of Fate, singular, and then Hand of Fate Two, which is yes. singular but has a two at the end. Yes. A singular two. Collectively, they are the Hand of Fate games. Can't put an S at the end of them. <laughs> uh, Hand of Fate 1 released February 17th, 2015. You can find it on Steam, GOG, PlayStation, I guess PS4, Xbox One, all the usual kind of uh, heavy hitter consoles. Uh, developed by Defiant Development, a game dev studio out of Brisbane, Australia. Uh, who've worked on a couple other little indie games, but I think they're best known for their their Hand of Fate series. Uh, I think they they wound up recently spinning off and joining uh, another uh, game dev studio to to release a, a new game coming out about superheroes, which seems interesting. Uh, stat sheet, uh, Hand of Fate 1 rolls in at our 74th most popular roguelike uh, in the Steam universe and the Steam catalog. 10,266 total, 10,268 total reviews. Got to get the number right, obviously. Uh, in the 98th percentile, Dahlia, as our special uh, guest of honor for this episode, uh, what, how, how would you describe this game if you were given uh, four cards that, uh, from, from a hooded mysterious figure 
that you had to shuffle around and form a, a single sentence from? Uh, it's probably uh, temperance, the world, um, the fool inverted, and then uh, the last one is the uh, bicycle how to play poker. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, it is a game that is... It, it is a roguelike in many ways by name only, but still has all of the, the bits and bobs of a roguelike. Very few of the systems you would expect are in there, and yet it's got, it's got them in different ways. It's really just a, a fun little turn on all of the, the tropes in just about every way. Uh, and you can, you can punch guys in the face uh, with, a, with a hammer. Yeah. We're pretty, ru- we're pretty loose with the, uh, the roguelike. Mm-hmm. it's just even a little bit roguelike we're, we're good with that yeah uh yeah this this game is is interesting because i wanted uh to go through my steam purchase history and figure out what what sort of prompted me at the time to seek this game out because hand of fate one like we said kind of released a a, a while back mm-hmm. um but i wound up looking in like seeing it my steam library uh somewhere around like 20 or let's see, the first achievement I had was in like 2019. So I'm like, okay, scroll, 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 account details. Uh, what other games did I buy around that time to kind of like inform my play style? Uh, and I couldn't find it. And I think now it I'm might have been part of like a humble bundle or something. It's either that or the game is haunted and just self-inserted itself into my Steam library, which seems mm-hmm. equally plausible. You were just like shaking your computer and a card fell out. <laughs> uh but yeah hand of fate uh hand of fate one i guess maybe we'll we'll focus our discussion on uh you are greeted by a hooded cloaked figure who greets you to your uh to your roguelike podcast and you are presented with a, a story mode and i think you have to unlock endless mode after a little bit is that right yeah for both of them yeah um and story mode this is we've we've covered some deck building card games in the past uh this is very much a a card card game in that almost basically everything in this game is cards mm-hmm. uh except for unexpectedly 3d battle sequences yes it is a <laughs> it is a card battler where you don't play with the cards right that's the first uh, that's the first twist on the formula <laughs> uh the the hooded uh chatty narrator of the game um opens up what what can i only be described as kind of like a a pokemon uh style card collecting thing that i have in my basement downstairs uh and presents you with a a series of challenges that you must uh go through in order to uh eventually figure out figure out what the secret behind this game of life and death is uh, which I guess spoiler alert is is fighting the dealer himself at the end, but mm-hmm. um, oh spoilers! <laughs> but generally, this game has you uh, go through a series of three different encounters, uh, and then you complete those, and you you fight some uh, some little boss guy, and you get uh, an unlockable bit that uh, will help with your meta progression throughout the game. Yeah, you uh, there. It's somewhat linear, the cards. Uh, mm-hmm. For some of them, I'm, I'm assuming, especially later in the game, you get a little bit more choice, but you're you're hunting for the stairs and you work your way down. And then, I don't know what happened at the end. I didn't play that far in the, fir- the first one. Well, uh, maybe we should back up and describe uh, how 
how the the game play space is sort of set up. So mm-hmm. you you're sitting across a table from the dealer, very very tarot card inspired uh, inspired uh, medieval robes, near eastern kind of aesthetic. Uh, but what's interesting to me about this game is that instead of other kind of roguelike games where you have you know your character going from like room to room, the cards are the rooms in this mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, they they're like laid out in a pattern generally, and you have to f- go from wherever you start through the cards to wherever the stairs or the gate or whatever it is in that particular level is. Mm-hmm. And the cards that you have in your encounters deck are the ones that you can encounter, as well as the bullshit ones that the dealer decided to throw in for the scenario. <laughs> yeah, I did think it was interesting that so, so uh, to finish first to go going through. Yeah, you 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 you're you're working your way through the cards. Your little play figurine is going on, and card mm-hmm. flips over, and then something happens. Either mm-hmm. it's either you know you make a choice, um, and uh, or you take a chance and the, the dealer shuffles four cards together and maybe some of them are successes or failures and that's just kind of a, 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 a random chance thing. Or you get into an encounter where you Pokemon battle style into the into the 3D world where you're actually, you know, I got out my controller and used the controller to fight things because it's a over-the-shoulder mm-hmm. uh, mini combat thing against... I don't know, three to six enemies, mm-hmm. like a beat 'em up. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very uh, what is it like, the the Batman Arkham yes. game style, punch them and and counter them and dodge them and stun them. Kind of are your four buttons. Yeah, it's probably worth pointing out uh, that in a typical uh, I guess run of this game, uh, you have. A level, there's cards laid out that you go from card to card. Your little Monopoly man hops from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to, you gotta, you gotta juggle resources too along the way. Uh, each, I think in this one, in Hand of Fate 1, every time you move from card to card, you consume one food. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I believe that's correct. It's yeah. Been, yeah. It's spoiler for uh, Hand of Fate 2. I played more of that to refresh myself for this than I did Hand of Fate 1. Yeah, and uh, and I can see why because Hand of Fate Two, you don't consume food on things that you've already already discovered, or mm-hmm. I think that's true for most of them. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Anyway, um, Hand of Fate One kind of laying out the formula for what uh, for what will be perfected in the sequel. But you know, you have health, you have food, and you have gold. Um, pretty pretty obvious. You use gold to buy stuff, uh, food to eat and regenerate your health. Um, but in some cases you actually can use food as a currency. Like if you come across a card encounter, that's like the helpful priest. Hello, sir. Mm -hmm. Can I steal 25 food from you in order for maybe a blessing question mark? And you're like, won't you feed the children? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the guilt trip of the, oh, I guess the children will starve again this winter and be like, look, I have three food. I'm going to starve to death. I just need to get to the exit. I'm trying yeah, to the children will starve if the the anarchist fire thrower burns down all the field too. So yeah, like, so uh, maybe you should think about that. Me, the uh, the the earner, the job creator of this I was, civilization. I was waiting for job creator to come out. It was on my bingo card. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, like like we kind of mentioned, there's uh, there's encounter decks, there's equipment decks, there's uh, there's there's lots of deck systems in this game, and lots of cards have uh, what look like little stamps on them or little little tokens. Mm-hmm. Where you know we we kind of mentioned the the helpful priest, but you know do you you come across some encounters that are like um, oh little story beat text text text. Uh, would you like to uh, save the princess or or help? Um, what's what's one of them? It's like uh, there's there's two lovers that are like fleeing from their strict father or something. You got to help them, and then you're presented with uh, like, well, how much do you want to help them? A little bit or a lot? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. a lot's gonna cost you, but that will help your odds with the. Uh, I think in in Hand of Fate one, the only kind of chance mechanic that you have is the the card shuffling is that right yeah, I, that... I remember that being at the case yeah because i remember when i first did a dice what the show oh, spoiler for hand of fate 2 there's dice in it <laughs> uh i was like what the fuck is this it was a dice and the metronome thing that they introduced in the mm-hmm. second one to give it more variety because otherwise it is just watching the same card shuffle animation over mm-hmm. and over and over again but i tell you what I almost I, I'm not sure. I think I prefer FTL. I think oh, like it's the same same game structure around like here's a scenario. We're not going to actually present you with the odds because we're assholes and we don't actually <laughs> want you to know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. then you make a decision, and then it's like okay, and now here you get to see the odds. So there's kind of mm-hmm. like an intermediate step where it's like oh, now I, I know I have a one in four chance of having success, and then like a one in four chance of like really bad failure, and the rest are failure or something like that. It's so like yeah. Is that better or worse than just seeing like chance of success X amount? Um, I don't know. I like uh, as I've I've complained. I want to know what my probability of success is before choosing the option. I think that that's just a modern gameplay good decision. Mm-hmm. But I I agree. Uh, by the way, a pro tip for that card shuffling game: uh, look for the uh, look for the card that you want the most, and just just see if that is the one that winds up going onto the top. Now you only have to pick between three cards. Hmm. That's yeah, a, that's a that's a real Monty Hall problem uh, <laughs> solution for the real world. Half of this game, half of Wait, hand so of it's actually one. physically shuffling them. Around. It is, yeah, yep. Uh, yep. There's I one mean, that will wind up on top. My my choosing strategy was always the one that it just puts you on. So always left because I, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. No, I'm no, not no, following my, it with my eyes. It was all my my voodoo strategy was always pick the worst one because that way. Yep. You know, that's <laughs> yeah you watch you know the you worst one and if that one's the one that goes on top you know exactly which one not to pick i did the exact same thing and some of the ones where there's like a great success one i'd watch that one and really really risk it for the biscuit but but yeah it's i literally, literally the montreal problem i literally did not know that you could that i i assumed that it was 100 percent random and there was no information I to be too, actually i had no idea <laughs> yeah yeah there there have been uh, when I when I got this game ages ago, I think I must have spent way too much time uh, focusing on like those card shuffling things. Like like you know you're you're putting a ball under the solo cups and you're like listening for it to like roll around. You're like okay, it's definitely <laughs> under that one. Like the cards and like you can kind of discern this too from like the card shuffling speed. So like mm-hmm. there's there's some um, encounters that are like bo- like borderline impossible, and your hope of completing it is basically zero and the cards will shuffle like instantaneously fast and for all intents and purposes like yeah that that one's random but for like the really easy ones like right at the start like welcome to hand of fate here here is your hand of cards now decide your fate the cards will like very slowly shuffle and if you watch one you can kind of like 
ones on the on the edge will have like a higher speed to them and like as they shuffle back out like they maintain that kind of momentum so you can sort of watch like okay the one on the end is like shuffling like into the pile very fast and then when it reshuffles you can kind of figure out like where it went from uh, i was probably try like clicking x as fast as i can hoping that i could skip the shuffle <laughs> yep me too <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's my biggest complaint with both of these games is there is a lot of it. You shuffle a lot of times and it takes, I mean, it's not that long, a couple of seconds, five Too seconds, long. but yeah. I'm like, I do not care Yeah, as fast, like just, and like, there's a lot of flavor text too. That's just barely like, maybe this is important, but hmm. probably not. Uh. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like or, or like the intro to the battle is very slow. Uh, it's a little bit better in in the second one, but the first one there's a lot of like it's Gotta cool zoom the first in time. On all the goblins and see them do their move. <laughs> yeah, like I guess I haven't explored. Maybe there's a setting to be like turn off all of that. I don't oh, want not. any transition animations. No, I'm sorry, there's not. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's a small complaint, but. It is annoying. I think it's a valid one, though, because, yeah, it's not that much time in the grand scheme of things, but also that time it, it adds nothing to it, so why have it? Yeah, the, like, you're going into the card and there's, like, a swirling portal thing. It's like, yeah, I guess if we were in 1999 and you were using that time <laughs> to load the scenario, yeah, uh -huh. sure. Like, if you're, if it's, it has a purpose, but I, I'm pretty sure, like, what, Hand of Fate 2 came out and what 2017 i think 2017 november 7th 2017 yes yeah we've we've we pretty much got rid of loading animations by that time which like you could load it in the background while you're uh like clicking on other stuff right mm -hmm. yeah it, it almost seems like this game needs a or like one or both of these games needs a hey it's uh 2023 as of this recording and we all have NVMe SSDs on our on our motherboard. So just have the dealer go click and then jump right into combat and then click, you're jumped out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think like despite the there's like there's a lot of things with Hand of Fate One that kind of haven't really aged super well from a gameplay perspective, but I kind of still had a lot of fun jumping back into this. Uh I was like, okay, like. Let's see. Let's pick up where where I left off, and I think I had just beaten uh, like the Lizard King at that point. I'm like, okay, well, I'll I'll play through this grouping of scenarios just to get my bearings, remember what the hell was going on, uh, and yeah, like I was I was picking up the muscle memory. I'm like, okay, like this is this is like the deck that I had been building at the time, um, and like this is roughly where I was with like some of these like meta progression tokens and and things like that. I'm like, okay, like this is. I'm all starting to get back into this. Uh, lost to the Lizard King like two or three times. I'm like, okay, um, let's maybe turn it down to easy mode and see what happens. Um, so had all three of you played Hand of Fate 2? This was, this was my first time jumping into Hand of Fate 2, actually. Okay, so you had only played Hand of Fate 1. Yes. At Dala, you had played both of them, I'm mm -hmm. assuming. And yes. then Will, you had only played two? Yeah, 30 hours. Okay, so I was the and I was the only one that came in completely, uh, obviously blind because I played the wrong game before I played the right <laughs> game. Um, so I didn't play that much of Hand of Fate one, uh, because I was 
planning on playing more of Hand Fate 2. And I heard Will say it, it's not as good. So I played, uh, having played like an hour of Hand of Fate 1 and then directly into Hand of Fate 2, it feels like Hand of Fate 1 is one of the most directly like this is the first game in a series and then they greatly expanded and bettered it for the second game. Mm -hmm. Like it is not um, a sequel in the like, we're just picking up where the story left off. It is the first game was a demo of the, the idea. And the second game was the, the, the full execution of the, the promise that was foretold in hand of fate one. Mm -hmm. Uh, the dealer had a secret card behind his back and it was, if we make enough money off this first game, we'll make the good game for real this time. Um, I So I didn't I didn't get far enough into Hand of Fate 1 to judge it really on its own merit. I thought it was like a fine game that even in the hour of playing was like, okay, I'm having fun, but this is starting to be mm -hmm. similar and I could see it getting a little bit samey over the time, which is... I mean, exactly what they tried to solve in the second one. So, yep. Uh, yeah, let's maybe let's maybe jump into Hand of Fate two a little bit. So the stat sheet for that one, we said uh, released uh, almost two years later, November seventh, twenty seventeen. Same devs. Um, ironically, Hand of Fate two. Uh, uh, Hand of Fate one was number seventy four. Hand of Fate number two uh, is number one hundred and thirty two on the popularity list on Steam with only five thousand two hundred ninety five reviews cranking in at only the 96.79 percentile uh but hmm. yeah like i was i was a kind of surprised to see that the the objectively better game seemingly less popular but i don't know if that's like part of part of that bit of like um just like review bias over time like ooh, the shiny new thing when it's first released like gets all the reviews and then like the sequel comes out and then you know the review universe is kind of diluted out to some degree and people are like, oh, yeah, I remember Hand of Fate. That was a good game. Maybe I'll review it. I don't know. Forget. Yeah. Um, or it could just be like the people who would have liked Hand of Fate 2, but didn't like Hand of Fate 1. is like, well, I'm not going to try that. So anyone who was on the fence, but chose not to, you know, it's self-weeded out mm -hmm. the people who would probably have liked the second game more. Yeah. I think I will. There's one thing about Hand of Fate 1 that this might be a spicy take. Oh, I can't uh, wait. I think the soundtrack in Hand of Fate One is better than Hand of Fate Two. You would notice that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real with you, Scott. There's two things I do when I turn on a game. They are, mm -hmm. they are go to the settings and turn mm -hmm. off motion blur, and then they are turn the music all the way down. I am not what? here. I'm not here to listen to video game music. I had, I had, uh, I had finally someone, life. finally someone who live, who who lives the will life. <laughs> Uh, Scott, it's Scott and I talking about like, oh, that was a good soundtrack. Like, oh, I don't know about it. And Will's just like, I didn't. Mm -hmm. No, I'm I'm sorry. I played a lot of DDR in high school. All of the music from video games that I've ever needed to listen to got crammed into that four years or so. So now I can listen to real music or uh, whatever terrible like procedural cop show I'm watching on the other <laughs> monitor while I'm playing. That's that's gonna engage me way more than than the music. I'm with Will on this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, part of it is that like every every podcast episode, I try to end with uh, like some sort of like cool music clip from from the game to be like, mm. oh, this this is what the thing was. So I was like going through in the um, the uh, uh, 
music artist uh, for this game, Jeff Van Dyke, D-Y-C-K, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, can't go one episode without me mispronouncing at least one thing. Um, but he did the uh, the soundtrack to, to Rome Total War, uh, definite stay tuned, uh, paint the town red, another kind of like, <laughs> if Minecraft was developed by uh, murderous sociopaths, uh, Android Assault cool. Cactus, uh, kind of a fun game, and weirdly, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004, and like oh. all of these just like absolutely slap. Uh, classic, classic soundtrack. <laughs> I, I actually think that that uh, I might remember that that music from the the PGA Tour games is weirdly good. So yeah, but I was going through and I was like listening to uh, to his YouTube playlists, uh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Hand of Fate one, yeah, this is all the stuff that I remember from like you know the almost 20 hours that I put into the first game. Like yeah, this and and like. There's a lot of stuff from the game that kind of like you don't get to hear like the full music piece, mm-hmm. uh, almost kind of to the detriment. So if if anyone is, you know, the two video game music geeks listening to this, uh, 100% go check out uh, Jeff Van Dyke's uh, YouTube channel and boot up that Hand of Fate 1 playlist and definitely not the Hand of Fate 2 playlist. Uh, Damn. Damn. Is Hand of Fate 2 music bad? No, it's not bad. Uh, but when I was going through, I was like, I was thumbs upping the ones. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll thumbs up this one to save for later and come back to for podcast editing. Ooh, that one's another good one. Thumbs up. Ooh, this one's really good too. Thumbs up. Come to the Hand of Fate 2 playlist. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's good, but... I'll tell you thumbs that I, I was playing Hand of Fate 2 like an hour ago and I cannot summon into my brain the music. So... I, I do. I have no memory of music playing, so mm. it obviously wasn't like good enough to have done the earworm thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which happens on on worse games and worse music, but it's it's like I'm sure it's like good and appropriate, but it's not catchy. So it doesn't mm-hmm. drive itself into your brain, so you hear it again and again later. Not the Doom Eternal soundtrack, is what you're saying. <laughs> there are no heavy metal guitars in it, as far as I can remember. Can we get to the core of the matter here? I think what's on everyone's minds. Mm-hmm. What stringed instrument was playing in the Hand of Fate 1 soundtrack? Yes, I think we definitely should get to that. What's no, no, best no. card? I think it's a mandolin? Question mark? <laughs> what's your question, Will? The question is, the, 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 this, this game, it seems to be the answer to the question, how much bullshit can you put around <laughs> a very simple combat experience? <laughs> And the, and the difference between one and two is dramatic in the sense that, like, the answer, if you just have cards slipping over and, like, flavor text and, like, this thing is happening, what will you do? One in four chance of winning. This thing is happening. Like, that gets boring immediately. The second time, they're like, okay, fine. let's. We're going to introduce dice. We're going to introduce ways of modifying the dice. We're going to introduce a metronome thing. So it's a timing sort of, like, thing. We're going to mm-hmm. introduce a wheel that spins around. and so Blessings, curses, relics. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You got fame now, too. So ways gonna... to, like, pull things out of your deck. Right, mm-hmm. and this all is, like, a, like a, just padding around, like, essentially making sure that you win in those combat scenarios. Um, And like, that's, and I think that's all well and good, but I think it's interesting because it's like the most, it's like a, the, the, on the extreme side of like taking a normal game. Like if you think of like a, I say normal as if like, this is a norm, but like (laughs) think about a Zelda sort of game, like a breath of the wild, like it's a very continuous experience. It's like almost the extreme of continuity where you are running from place to place and like things are happening. And, but this game is like, 
nope, you are in a scenario. And then mm-hmm. it's just the text of what's happening outside that scenario. So you're not going into the, the next uh, town to talk to the person to save the chicken to do what it's just like, yep, that's just text. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very interesting way of breaking it up. And in my opinion, it seems lazy, but um... it's novel. It's a novel, but it is lazy. It is the anime of video games. <laughs> That's I my mean, hot take here. Well, are we, are we talking One Punch Man anime or are we talking? I'm saying there's uh, one Dragon frame GT and, anime. and the screen is wrote is like panning over the one frame while they concentrate at each other for 30 seconds. You know, talking in their heads about how they were going to destroy their enemy. That's that's the, what it feels like a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is interesting though because like it, it's a it's a good point of fundamentally the the absolute core of the game is the warp your way into a small battle arena you against a couple of other things people uh monsters etc um, and turns out if you add enough stuff around it that that is that it stops being like a, a difference in it, it starts being a difference in kind like it feels like the same mechanics but a different game because you have so many ways to modify it and so many other things that you're like doing and interacting with you're changing weapons because they deal different kinds of damage to different like oh swords deal with northmen better so you like got to switch to that for this thing like i feel like it it it, all, it does become a different experience um yeah so. i feel like the that that statement applies more to hand of fate one than it does to hand of fate two i think because like, yeah, Hand of Fate 1 is just, like, a very rudimentary Batman Arkham combat game with, like, some, like, interesting deck builder stuff kind of kind of around it, but maybe a little disjointed. Hand of Fate 2, I think, yeah, there's more stuff, but there's there's some, like, indescribable, like, quintessential element that, like, makes it greater than the sum of its parts. And maybe that's just me, like... Uh, like trying to dig out of this like 20 hour hole that I put into the first game, but like it, it feels like there's no other, there's no other like deck building game that feels like this kind of with like these kind of approaches or even like the process by which you go through and like meta progress. So you're like, Oh man, I'm getting really stuck on this, this one quest in hand of fate Two. If only I was able to uh, get some better equipment. Well, like I have some of these um, encounters that have like these tokens that I haven't unlocked yet. Maybe I should go and try to like pick some more gnomes. Maybe that'll unlock the thing. And then you unlock the thing like, oh, like I got a cool sword out of that. Maybe I can use that to to advance a little bit. Or like you'll get like either equipment or like more encounter types and you can tune your, you know, you can like customize your deck to put in the like a bullshit like heal style deck like okay this thing is like totally overloaded with stuff to heal me or give me food so that way i won't be like totally kicked to the curb with the the bs meter the next time i play through um i don't know how much the the recommended decks involve like the bullshit arama but uh it does seem like you can deck build your way out of that to some degree how many so when you guys were playing, how how many times did you go back and replay old? So, like in the second one, there's a bunch of distinct 
like mini campaign. There, mm-hmm. So there's the or larger the scenarios. campaign. And then, yeah, there's the, the scenario. So it's like, okay, you go through the scenario and do a thing. Um, I didn't really go, I, I didn't play for long enough to go back and do redo very many of them. Um, but I'm assuming that if you're playing either harder difficulties or just longer into the game, you end up going back and redoing some of those just to, to, to do the tokens on cards and just mm-hmm. like grind your way through stuff. And yeah. like, okay. Yeah. There's like, definitely some scenarios that are ideal for proccing the things you need to unlock the tokens and, and do all of that. There's a couple that, that just really make that a lot easier depending so, on what they do. If we're comparing it to something like FTL, it'd be like, I don't care about winning on this run. This is the run to just like unlock the crystal mm-hmm. golem ship or whatever. Yes. Or the the the, the error sucking ones. Mm-hmm. You're just like, okay, I don't care about any of this. I just want to make sure that I get a, a gazillion fame so I can unlock the super ice weapon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. And and for me, that was the game. Like I I think all I have left in Hand of Fate 2 is the last and the second to last scenario. And I, I did all of those basically with just the starting hammer. Um, and the rest of the time was me going back and unlocking literally every little piece of garbage that I could. <laughs> because that's the game for me, is filling out that codex. It's getting, mm-hmm. it's collecting them all. It's it's the Pokemon you, analogy. You gotta catch all of those tokens and all the cards. Mm-hmm. Gotta help the little boy find his family. Mm-hmm. Gotta help the guy find get good at thieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta both save and damn the, the town. Mm-hmm. There is Absolutely. something stupidly addicting about you. the encounter card comes up and the little token peels off and is floating mm-hmm. in the dealer's hand. He's like, are you gonna solve it? Are you gonna solve it? Are you, are you gonna, gonna do it? You got it. Did you <laughs> you can it? pull that that mega fail card out of the uh, the four options, and I'm just like sitting there watching this like jeweled piece of candy dance around in front of my face. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give the little this the begging children all of my gold again this time, or I'm gonna give the gnome this other weapon because I gotta get that stupid token. And then oh, like the gnome. Oh, this this weapon's too big for the gnome. What am I gonna do with this? And then the dealer put you know takes the the token <laughs> back. I'm like no. Uh, the, the flip side of that, that token is when you find the, the card that's like the vampire guy who's just like <laughs> sucking your blood and it's just like, do you give him a little more blood? You want to give him a little more blood? You want to give him a little more blood? And I kept, he was like, let him keep sucking your blood because I thought eventually like a cool event would proc. It doesn't. He just drains all of your health. And then if you do it just one single time, you get the same event. Mm-hmm. And the first time I... I had a, a temporary blessing that like full healed me when I got down to 25 health. And I probably, I drained over a hundred percent of my life, my, my max life <laughs> crying. I was like, I got to get it. I've already invested too much now. There's got to be like something where you give him enough blood. He's like, ah, now I'm sated. Here's your, your very special blood dagger. But no, it, he never gives you the blood dagger. He never does. I don't remember if in Hand of Fate 2, I don't know that I've gotten far enough to to encounter this yet. I'm sure it's in here. Um, Hand of Fate 1, a pretty common encounter that uh, that you encounter with is uh, is a, a trap dungeon, a trap mm-hmm. labyrinth. Uh, are those in the second one? It doesn't seem like they are as frequent in at least like the few hours that I've played of the first few campaign levels. 
I think there's a, a, a you like one card with a trap dungeon encounter in it mm-hmm. that you can get. Like that's all I remember is that there's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing that I really did appreciate from the second one as compared to the first. So the first is pretty. It's a pretty uh, straightforward. Uh, you know, maybe there's a couple different ways you could go to get to the like stairs at the end of the level, but there's like six cards and you go, you you do whatever to get there. Uh, versus the second one starts really that like the scenarios use the cards in different and interesting way. So mm-hmm. I just played through the one where, uh, you know, rather than, you know, go through this thing and find the stairs, it's like, here's like 40 cards just laid out on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, go chase down the relics that are like hopping around. And it's it's the same game but they use the cards in such a different way that it, it, it's like a very different feel. And you kind of know, it gives you a lot of things where it reveals stuff. So you're like, you have to plan out like, oh, I need to go to this one first so that I can get the fame so I can go to the other one. And, it, and it's, it's, it's got a lot of different little mini games in it that uh, help keep it fresh as you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah, I think we did. We touch on uh, companions in Hand of Fate two yet? Uh, no, only obliquely. <laughs> and how, like, extremely irritating uh, the the one guy who keeps getting captured is, and you have to make sure that he doesn't get his ass beat when he's uh, handing over all of his gold to thieves in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like the. Among many of the improvements that Hand of Fate 2 does over 1, graphically looks much better, I think. Hand of Fate 1, I don't think, looked bad per se, but I think it's just every everything is just better polished in Hand of Fate 2. Um, but we kind of touched on this with the, the food, like for each uh, kind of card that you walk on. Um, you can camp, I think, in most scenarios mm-hmm. where... Because if you're retrotting old cards that you've passed on, you're not consuming that food, it at least gives you the option of saying, okay, you know, do you want to like camp on this card here and like trade with someone or like eat a food and regenerate your health? I appreciated that a lot with some uh with some campaign things I was going through. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of dying here, but I need to camp in order to to refill my health a little bit. Um but there's, I think, like almost almost every campaign, again, like the few that I've played in the early game so far in Hand of Fate 2, seems to give you like a different kind of campaign or a companion option, um, which do very interesting stuff. One thing that really frustrated me about Hand of Fate 1 was like, if you were uh, fighting like a, a big mob of dudes and it's like you versus like literally 40 skeleton archers, kind of annoying but if you have a big burly northman guy who can just mm-hmm. like fury charge through them and stun like half of them but but i think that's a smart idea no i am that guy i'm wielding <laughs> i'm wielding the big hammer and i'm swinging because i'm not good at shields i'm just rolling and swinging hammers at things mm-hmm. i felt like i was very bad at the parry mechanic it doesn't yeah. feel like it should be hard, but I just I just couldn't do it. I just dodged instead. I don't remember if this was me flipping to easy mode in Hand of Fate 1, but it feels like the combat in Hand of Fate 2 is much harder, like in terms of timing where we've kind of described said it was like a Batman game. But for those who haven't played, it's like 
you know, you basically just like button mash. Uh, but every so often, like an enemy that's about to attack you will have a prompt above their head for like green, hit the Y button and you can counter them and you block and then you repost and attack them. Or they're going to do something and you can like shield bash them to interrupt or various various things like that. Um, but it felt like the timings for those were much tighter in Hand of Fate 2 than in 1. It felt like it was much like a much bigger window where I was almost getting bored in the first one of like, okay, yep, yeah, counter counter yeah attack, you can just basically counter. hit it whenever you feel like it like ah, yeah i guess we'll counter him mm-hmm. head of it too you actually have to do it at the right time or they'll just hit you mm-hmm. it's almost like a rhythm game <laughs> yeah actually uh, yeah I, I and i my rhythm was dodging and not countering but it did feel like like okay trying to roll away and get like pick at the one at the edges so you're not surrounded by all the guys and you're not being hit by things you can't see because that's really how they get you is the like five thieves with fast knives stabbing you in the back. <laughs> That's what got me. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I know I beat the game, Hand of Fate 2, but like I I went back and I only played a few of the the, the actual combats. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the combat itself, it did like, it kind of felt like what you're talking about much faster. I really did notice that big difference in the parry time too. And like, um I don't know. I don't know what the complexity looks like anymore, though. I can't. <laughs> is there is what's the what's the compelling case for doing the endless mode? Because for me, I feel like Hand of Fate one, the endless mode was helpful for like I'm getting stuck on like the main kind of story thing. And yeah, I kind of don't want to like fight the same lizard man over and over and over again. Just give me just throw it all in there in one big bucket. Uh, and see what happens. Uh, has anyone else experimented with, with endless mode to a, a deep degree? I haven't even touched no. it at all. I don't even know what it does. <laughs> Can um, you unlock things for the in the campaign mode for the, from the endless mode? I believe so, because I think uh, the endless mode was the first time in Hand of Fate 1 that I actually encountered like some of these training cards where I'm like, how how have I never seen these before? But I guess like because of like the deck tuning thing that I've been going through, uh, it's like, well, I'm not going to put these things in here because they're just like, welcome to the game tutorial things. Oh, yeah. But in but in endless mode, like unless you've unlocked it um, or like. It, it's like everything is in there and yeah. it's it's a good way, I think, to um, meta progress in a way where you're just like, yeah, you know, I, I have 20 minutes before my bus comes up to the stop. Um, I'll just jump in and see what happens and no expectations. Yeah. I'll just let the game wash over me um and there's there's some uh that can be a good way to like get some unlocks that you either forgot existed or uh or like revisit stuff that was interesting like you know you boot up endless mode and like the next card that you encounter is like a kraken boss fight you're like oh shit like i forgot this thing was in here this is kind of a dope encounter maybe takes a little too long but this was kind of fun and then oh my boss is here quit the game um yeah. i'm imagining it's probably similar for hand of fate 2 but it seemed like there were there were cards that were specific to endless mode in hand of fate 2 that i was unlocking yeah there yeah. definitely are i yeah. i unlocked some of them and it's like now you can the goblins are making trouble in endless mode so i'm assuming <laughs> that's something that you should, you you never encounter them in the base game you have mm-hmm. to go to endless mode maybe you get special unlocks from doing that but are there there's more ranged weapons in Hand of Fate 2, right? Am I crazy? I think so, yeah. 
Okay. Because there's there's at least uh like four different ones. Yeah. I seem to recall one of the encounter one of the early campaign things, like you get you get some hand grenades, and I'm like, okay, now we're talking. Hand of fate one, I don't recall ever getting like any sort of ranged stuff ever. And having to deal with like armored lizard men that are like acid spitballing you from across the map, kind of kind of bullshit from time to time. <laughs> uh but that first time that you get uh some sort of like um blessed uh anti-skeleton grenade. The holy hand grenade of Antioch. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the one. And you just bowling ball down eight skeletons at, at once and you complete the encounter in like a quarter of a second. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. <laughs> Highly recommend. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think uh, Hand of Fate 2, I've only gotten through one, two, three, maybe like four or five of of the campaign scenarios, but there's like there's like 20 plus of them. I think mm-hmm. like all things, Hand of Fate 2 has you know really kind of delivered with more uh like better and more polished. Um and you can kick gnomes, which uh which is an uh, a thumbs up in my book. No, I don't like the gnome kicking. No. <laughs> <laughs> I found it to be annoying. I mean, yeah, I was funny. It was funny the first time, but the second time, I'm like, ah, God, get off of me! <laughs> they just jump on you and stab you, and then you have to kick them. Mm-hmm. And then, you have to kick them, and then then you try and give them stuff, and you don't have the right things, and they don't give you the good stuff. And I wasn't able to get the token. That's the real, you know. There mm-hmm. we go. That's it. That's mm-hmm. why I'm angry. It's because I didn't get the token from them because I didn't have the right thing to give them. Just gotta grind those gnomes and get get that little uh, little candy token. Yeah, literally grind them into into gnome paste. Do we want to <laughs> do we want to move on to rankings next? Um, I feel like I had one. What else? Oh, uh, I thought the art was fairly good for the cards. I liked the way that they had mm. the art on the cards. But I will say that I didn't. I was not particularly a huge fan of the style look of um, uh, of the actual like combat game. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very like fable esque, mm-hmm. um, which I mean that's it's it's a little bit of a of a, a nitpick in terms of uh, it. It didn't. It was no detriment, and I'm glad it was like. I'd rather play a stylized game from 2017 than a game from 2017 that's trying and failing to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little car- more cartoony than I would prefer. Uh, but hey, you've got the cards, which are the abstraction of reality. And yeah. that reality is the juxtaposition with that to give it. A, I mean, like, otherwise it's like you're playing a cartoon and a, another abstraction of reality. So I don't know. Maybe I, I see what you I, I see what you're talking about though, and I agree. I didn't like the way my dude looked. <laughs> I mean, I just decided I, I decided to vote on the the most late latest game that we're choosing on the basis of I don't want to play as these really cartoony characters. I just don't like mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, also right. like Hand of Fate One, like you can't you can't customize your character. You are yeah. like a mohawky. Uh, yeah like i mean like you're, you're kind of stylized to some degree but like you know th- there's no real uh creative um user agency of like oh i want mm-hmm. i want my my hero to have like a big white beard and like like ridiculous proportions or something like that um you're just like uh your standard kind of mohawked uh uh begrizzled uh, adventurer 
-hmm. but at least Hand of Fate 2, I think, you know, you have those sort of player customization options. And you're right that like the, I, I like the aesthetic and like the art direction of, of like the environments, but you're right that like the, the, so there's something about the character models that seems incongruous with like the, the tarot, like mysterious right. element of the, the card design and or artwork. just with the dealer himself the dealer is so detailed and realistic yeah, the and super you, detailed. if you guys were standing next to each other he'd be like what the hell is that for yeah you? the dealer's <laughs> realistic the cards are like tarot type stylized like it's a, it's definitely like artistic mm-hmm. and it's like pretty like like simple colors and then the uh i mean it's not quite like League of Legends style, mm-hmm. but it's it's that um it's moving there though. It's it's going from it's, Borderlands to League of Legends and it's somewhere in the middle. Right, exactly. So it's it's a it's a style as it I, I'm always hesitant to criticize things being stylized as opposed to just being super realistic because I think that's the way that video games are moving now in 2023. And I think that's a it's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Like bad realistic stuff like the the problem with realism is that the closer you get to realism the easier it is to notice where it's not real like Mm -hmm. oh this game looks so great except for the water's terrible it's like (laughs) this water would have been would have literally blown my mind in 2010 like i wouldn't (laughs) believed it was possible or just like fashion going out of style like something that was like set in the modern age in like 2004 and you're like oh my god that was that was like people were wearing (laughs) shirts like that back then jesus Right, it's just like the Matrix coat, but mm-hmm. he's supposed to like actually be wearing it for real. This will never go um, out of style, Trinity. Let me ask. Let me ask one one final que- or uh, another question, I should say. Uh, did you guys like the narrator, and the, and like, did you feel differently about the narrator between one and two? I kind of like the, the narrator in this game, in both of these games. I was constantly surprised by the 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 narrator like chiming in to say like meaningful nonsense based on what was happening i like the the amount of times they said something i was like they programmed that in here him to be that specific about this specific situation i liked the narrator i i I feel like i'm not hugely into flavor text and i feel like his he had a good voice and i feel like that was just enough to make it so like the flavor text was not boring Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm willing to listen to you say this because it's short, it's just long enough that I'm not trying to skip through it. Um, and I can't skip through it because it's too short to skip through. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I liked him. I mean, I, I tend to agree more with two than one, but I, you know, mm. I just, it's just from having played one here for the first time for this uh, review where like I don't know how many times he told me like after I selected to like get some food when I needed it or something, like just like or whatever I got and he's just like oh I bet you're grateful for the get aren't you and I'm just like I cannot I I don't don't tell me I'm grateful I'm fucking not grateful fucking take the food back I don't need this food I just got this food because it was presented to me I just like oh now I you see I've got ungrateful. thirty food in my bag I'm I'm overflowing with food here right and in the second one uh, when I for the the time I played it uh. They, he really pipes down quite a bit like mm-hmm. the amount of like he's they finally realize i think that okay yeah there's a level that he's above the annoying level right now he's got to be like right talk less and when he does talk make it more relevant to what's happening and so yeah like, i think that's that's the big difference so that's is, what happened yeah it's not like the warcraft 2 style like every time you click to make him move he says the same thing right 
Your food is, is under attack. Yeah. <sighs> you require additional food, pylons, <laughs> etc. Um, but yeah, like he actually said like things relevant to the cards almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. And also, I guess just in, in two, there's less just, oh, here's a card that gives you food. It's almost always something mm-hmm. that just happens to give you a boon at the end. Yeah. Um, I guess in Will's defense a little bit, like the there there are times where I'm like, I'm trying to read the thing and I can't like multi-process between like reading and having the narrator be like, oh, well, that's an interesting option, huh? Would you look at the text right there? Oh, if you could read it without me talking, that'd be really great, wouldn't it? And like the times where I was playing on the bus, uh, I'm just like, you know, muted, no headphones or anything. And I'm just like, okay, I can sit here. I can read the text at my own leisure. I'm aware of the dealer in the background. He's jostling around making some kind of quip. Um, but I can, I can, I can see it in both ways. I can see like the snarkiness of the narrator being like a fun bit of spice, but I think it's a little overspiced in Hand of Fate One, and I think mm-hmm. they just got the the oregano right for the sequel. So, if they were making Hand of Fate Three, the other other hand, mm-hmm. what would you, what would you change? What would you add? Uh, what do you think it, that 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 last spice, the uh, the the MSG to to take it over the top? <laughs> Continue the trend, maybe. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I think like there's there's an unexplored aspect to like the Batman style combat that mm-hmm. I think that like if they if they lean into that maybe a little more because like right now it's like it's a little jarring that like the card stuff is like it's it's either card or Batman and mm-hmm. if that's either like more seamlessly integrated or like if you're in like a Batman Arkham City style game mm-hmm. and you're running around and like oh like I can only get into this building here if I do this dumb card thing or you know like there's obviously people way smarter than me than this that can crack mm. this code but mm-hmm. if either like the combat is more like combo driven so you have that kind of like oh net like instead of just equipment you know you have cards that can like build out combos or things like that yeah interesting interesting idea to explore there but i think like i don't yeah i don't know like there's a or, lot of text I mean, stuff that could be done you could do something like if you like there's the ones where like do a pickpocket thing. It's like you could just have it be like you're going in and now you're you're like your little dude, your mm-hmm. cartoon man is going in and you have to like uh click the quick time event at the right moments to to do the the pickpocketing thing. One thing one thing that I was actually kind of surprised that wasn't in two was going into a market store and like your options are like, okay, I can only like buy stuff, I can buy equipment or I can buy food. Give me the option to be like the chaotic archetype of like stealing food and losing fame or like trading yeah, off those no resources yeah um and like yeah i think you know they they hit a lot of stuff right with hand of fate too it's it's i think a testament that uh i'm struggling to think of what they could improve, improve on <laughs> yeah dahlia is our resident hand of fate lover anything that you would um i think adding like i i think in order to keep that that secret uh blend of herbs and spices right you gotta improve both sides of it i i agree that the the combat is a little shallow uh and i don't know how you widen that out without like expanding it so big that it's no longer that sort of like i like yeah. the fact that you get dropped into like five square foot of yeah. room and you just beat the absolute <laughs> crap out of some skeletons for a minute and then you're done but at the same time 
expanding what you can do in that feels yeah. like a natural next step. But also, I feel like no matter what, it has to be small, the thing that you're dropped into. Yeah, so it can't bite. be that. It's big. a bite. It's a delicious mm-hmm. little bite. You're talking about, again, to bring it back to Zelda. Oh, now you're racing horses. Oh, here's one scenario. Now you're you're finding uh, uh, skeleton-like spiders or whatever the hell they are. And then now you're doing these other things. But they're all like, they're not all combat. They're all very sp- distinct sort of things in this continuous landscape of things to do. Um, well, then have we just recreated Mario Party? Ooh, no, I've cracked it. I finally cracked it. Mario. Yeah. We just, oh, right. This Pen-pending. idea of discrete We need to add like, Mario. Segments. That's what we need. <laughs> oh, we need a Mario in it. Italian plumbers is the thing. Is this kind of missing oregano. Heart racer. Actually, uh, in, in my uh, factoid section here, did you know there's a, a Hand of Fate board game? No. Oh, wait. Uh, wait. Maybe I saw that on Tabletop. Is it a board game or is it a card game? Because I feel it like it should be a card game. Let's go. I mean, it's, maybe it's both. It is, yeah, it okay. is a tabletop game with little minifigs. Uh, that on Kickstarter, I think, what, where was I seeing? They had pledged uh, pledged thirty thousand to develop this. And they got Australian dollars, four hundred and ninety thousand dollars to fund this thing. Oh. Uh, and shockingly, not uh, not too poorly rated on Board Game Geek, which I'm I'm like, hmm. Um, but yeah, like uh, if they if okay, here's what I cracked. They put that uh, Kickstarter game. Mm-hmm. as like a pokemon trading card open world thing in zelda breath <laughs> of the wild boom we figured it out make it happen well i don't like breath of the wild though i wasn't actually thinking that's a good game I <laughs> well just... that's you being wrong <laughs> i mean it's meant for children really it's a puzzle game for children right the people love breath of the wild hand of fate 2 is a puzzle uh, game for adults uh sorry dahlia i feel like i cut you off though before you were saying something <laughs> about both sides of the yeah i mean i think you can you can guess what the other half is uh they do the same bullshit they did in the in between one and two between two and three for the cards they they make it so that you know there's the little chance mini games they add one or two more of those they like uh they make new scenarios that make use of a fourth resource you know they just iterate slightly on it because that part i feel like is solid uh, if you're in it for just the fighting, you're going to be disappointed. If you're in it for doing that that thing we all love, which is getting that little piece of candy from uh, from the the dealer by uh, doing weird things to unlock it, they they keep that. They're golden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, I'm ranking time. The, what is the ERRC grid? I think is it the applicable? Was that? Uh... <laughs> Uh, we got to reduce, raise, create, and eliminate. And so if you apply this sort of methodology to like an already novel idea, you can basically create new novelty out of it. And in this case, what would you eliminate? What would you reduce, raise, create? You know, I guess that's a whole other discussion. We're already the ratings. Never mind. But this is the framework <laughs> we'll get, that, should we'll get... be, that game creators should be thinking about in general. It's uh-huh. like it's, we'll get it's GPT-4 good. on it. And that'll that'll solve all of our problems. For yeah, you. there we go. That's what that's what it needs. It needs GPT four to just create new cards for you on the fly, mm-hmm. and then and then have it be the voice of the the narrator just be auto generated. As an AI language model, I am unable to provide uh, context for for this uh, fate selection. Uh, but as an AI language model, we have to also have to jump into the rankings because we have an email to get to. Oh yes. Uh-oh. Um, let's uh I think I'll, I'll go first. Um unsurprisingly, I think 
Hand of Fate one while fun to come back to. Uh, I think just pales in comparison in, in basically every regard to Hand of Fate two. I was actually like kind of surprised at how well polished two was over one. Um, but I think like the only reason to kind of revisit Hand of Fate one would be like if you have it in your backlog, you maybe have played it once before, and you're like, eh, yeah, I don't know, should I go back to it? I would say yeah, go back to it. Um, if you didn't have Hand of Fate two in your library. Uh, if you have number two in your library and you're suffering the the same fate, uh, definitely go back and and play two. I think it's it's pretty dope. Uh, ranking wise, I'm gonna put Hand of Fate one just above Dungeons of Dreadmore and just behind Invisible Ink and kind of like my my solid middle meaty pack of the of the curve. Um, all good games, but I think you know the the sequel just leaps and bounds better uh hand of fate to him putting just behind binding of isaac rebirth and just ahead of worsen the realm of Islona. uh it's fun play it uh i'll go next um i have very similar feelings very similar rankings to scott uh the same rankings as scott which just shifted both games <laughs> slightly <laughs> one higher um so hand of fate's my number four out of 19 games and um yeah, I think that it was, uh, like, I said bite size before. It's like tapas. It's like a little tapas of a game. Mm-hmm. Each, each, you go through each little card and you get a little, little taste of, 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 of combat for each little thing. Like, it's not like eating a hearty steak. It's a bunch of little delightful, uh, little delightful bites. And then you go on to, like, have the waiter tell you a story about, um, <laughs> the man whose family was taken from him or something. Um, but yeah, I liked Hand of Fate 2 better than Hand of Fate 1. Uh, I think it's the the logical and creative conclusion to what they put in Hand of Fate 1. And if you play one of them, only play Hand of Fate 2. Um, I'll jump in last. That way, Dahlia, that way you get the, the final words on this. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I mean I'm just gonna follow more of the trend to be honest. I know it's weird for us to agree, mostly agree. I think I think from Scott to Colin to myself, we're all I shift it's shifting up in the upward direction. Um, where I thought um well my opinion from what was it 2019 or whatever when I played Hand of Fate 2 was at a 7.5. And so that's what I gave it then. And that's what I'm gonna say. I would well, I'm not gonna I can't I'm not gonna rate it again because obviously coming back to the game, <laughs> I would rate it lower because the novelty's gone. But uh, Hand of Fate one um i gave a 5.5 again hand of fate 2 was a 7.5 which means that on the the rankings list uh, hand of fate uh it's actually uh, i love to say this uh it's, it was better than risk of rain it was better than cog mind especially hey th- um, this is all good yeah. company you're <laughs> all so, so it's got an eight yeah, here but at a 5.5 yeah. that's below the recommend threshold of six so i can't <laughs> i can't recommend it uh hand of fate 2 um rank three so it's just falling behind yeah. Uh, yeah and i'm actually and i'm looking at our average rank and hand of fate 2 is now the number two game because uh all of our other highly ranked games have at least one of us which <laughs> deeply disliked it and so the fact that we all pretty much liked hand of fate 2 it's the number two game now behind ftl wait what's our overall one uh it's ftl uh i mean oh that's great <laughs> <laughs> Dahlia is our uh, is our special guest, uh, and the whopping two games that you've uh, you've uh, been on the podcast with us thus far. Many more to come in the future, I'm sure. Uh, which uh, which one I wonder uh, tops out at your number one? 
Uh, I'm going to say that Hand of Fate 1 is the worst game I have ever rec- I have ever uh, reviewed for this podcast. And Hand of Fate 2 uh, is at least twice as good as 1, <laughs> making it my number one pick of reviewed games for this podcast. Yes. Wow, uh, if, stunning. If, if you have Hand of Fate 1 in your library and you don't have Hand of Fate 2, please send me an email uh and maybe i will buy it for you because i think it's eight dollars just play hand of fate 2 it's not it's like five dollars right now it's on sale yeah it's it's really good uh and there's it literally in every single instance is replaced by hand of fate 2 uh the only context you're missing is that at the end of hand of fate 1 uh you the player beat up the dealer guy and take his place and that's the entire point of what's happening in Hand of Fate 2 is he's training you to beat beat up your previous character. There's it's like spoilers. Pokemon Gold Silver in that. Wow, spoilers. <laughs> you can be Professor Oak. Uh we have a an email this week, which I'm going to dump into into the chat here for uh for people to read, but I will uh I will read through this uh, email that we've gotten from our, our good friend, uh, Davian. Davian. <laughs> Look, okay. It's spelled F-U-X-A. I got the pronunciation guide from <laughs> right. him. That's Davian, the only reason I remember this Davian Fuchsa. Okay. <laughs> uh, because maybe Davian Fuchs, you know? <laughs> I feel, I do feel like we should, you should dump that pronunciation guide in there at some point. Yeah, like the um, what's the like the Wikipedia linguistic thing? Anyway, um, IPA. Yes, uh, Davian says greetings again, Scott, Will, and Colin, and in this case, Dahlia. Congratulations on continuing with your podcast and exploring various games with Rogue something attached to them. I do have a question in regards whether your podcast will exclusively cover various games on Steam, or you will, if you will eventually branch in, out and to delve into other topics related to the Rogue genre, for example. It has been less uh, about half a month since the annual competition for the seven-day roguelike challenge uh, concluded. Entrance to this year's jam are still under review, but it likely won't be long before the judging process is complete. About 30% of the reviews still need to be done, and this uh, this has preceded lightning speed over the past couple of years. Full disclosure, I know this because I'm one of the reviewers this year, and I'm directly interacting with Darren Gray, who organizes the latter workings of Getting Games Judged. Um, Another obvious topic is interviews with various developers of noteworthy games within the genre. This is something that we don't typically see anymore and would like would likely be a good resource for people looking to learn about the inner workings of the games we play. Hoping to see this podcast continue on for a long time into the future. Davian F-U-X-A. Davian F. Davian, yeah, Davian F. Yeah, Davian F, the group officer for the Steam Rollay Group and uh, from Davian Plays on YouTube. Uh, thanks for writing into the show, Davian. It's always good to see uh, emails rolling in. Um, I think the first question about covering games exclusive to Steam, the one, the reason why uh, the I picked up the data set for uh, Steam games to start with is just it's the biggest one, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, I think I've said we have like something of like 6,000 games to pick from that particular catalog. And I have I've I've tried desperately to yank that data out of uh, itch.io, but it is not nearly as conveniently packaged. Um, but there are some uh, non-Steam games on our list that are for sure stay tunes uh, if slash when we get to them, including, uh, but not limited to, the original 1980 Rogue, which is technically on Steam, but I have... Look, if the Allen Computer Museum was still open, 
I had plans for us to take a field trip down there to play the original <laughs> Rogue on an Apple II or a PDP-11 computer. I would be down. That'd be fun. Uh, there's uh, And comparing it with uh, the non-Steam, uh, I think it's open source, question mark, uh, release uh, version uh, Rogue, which I think would be a comparison. Uh, there's a lot of uh, roguelike mobile games out there, which I think are like pretty well done and worthy of inclusion in the conversation, like Shattered Pixel Dungeon. Uh, there's Pathos NetHack. Uh, Hoplite are ones that come to mind. Magic Survival, the one that inspired Vampire Survivors. Uh, a super stay tuned for Dahlia to come back to talk about uh, Ilona. I don't, Dahlia, have you heard of Ilona the roguelike before? Uh, it sounds familiar, but it it my my my, my mind screen is blank. You would, I think you would really like that game. It's super JRPG. Uh, there's there's lots of interesting stuff about it. Um, but there's also like a handful of you know super Super Nintendo and Genesis roguelikes like uh, the original Toe Jam and Earl, maybe question mark. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of stuff that that we can cover outside of steam it's just steam is just the biggest data set that we have at the moment um seven day roguelikes have has anyone else heard of seven day roguelikes before i mean i haven't heard of seven day roguelikes specifically but like the the game jam style thing is something i've absolutely heard of so i'm mm-hmm. assuming it's just the same concept mm-hmm. as applied to like specifically roguelikes and i think honestly a roguelike is a, a much more achievable goal to create mm-hmm, in seven mm-hmm. days like you could create an okay roguelike in seven days you can't create like an okay skyrim uh mm-hmm. so like roguelikes already are built on the idea of having a little bit more limited of a mm-hmm. of a scope from the, the the technical side and being more focused on uh, either some novelty thing or just y- using your imagination for good chunks of it mm-hmm. so uh and I think because of our our once every two week release cadence, uh, unless like we're absolutely dying to cover some like seven day roguelike game jam game, I think it's probably better for us to wait until it's like come out of incubation a little bit and matured a little. Um, yeah. There's and you know say- like like Cogmind, um, there's there's some on our list that have evolved out of the seven-day roguelike game jam, like uh, Golden Crone Hotel is a really fun one. I don't remember if Rift Wizard was a seven-day roguelike, but things like that uh, are definitely on our list for sure. Yeah. Um, if we did if we did it, we'd probably do the whole uh, challenge as one episode of like, we played a bunch of these games for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and this is the one that we liked the most out of 10 minutes. So <laughs> and probably we wouldn't be able to give, I mean, it looks like there's uh, nine or there were nine in the original. I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a number of them. Yeah. I don't think we would really be able to give all of them the time that they deserve. So we would have to give them equally not enough time. <laughs> it's um, hard enough which, to get Will to, uh, to not tear his eyeballs out while playing Cogmine. So yeah, uh, it might be a tall order for for some of these even more extreme indie level games, which yes. uh, like, you know, I mean, we have a YouTube channel. There's no reason why we couldn't just do like, hey, let's check these out. But I don't know if those would make podcast episodes specifically. Um, and then lastly, like with related to uh, interviews with developers, uh, I feel like 
there's there's a lot of overlap between those kinds of ideas with um the original the the big daddy roguelike podcast roguelike radio which they do interviews with developers they do like you know covering of seven day roguelike jams um all great stuff go check that out uh there's there's another good podcast that does like very much more dev centric interview stuff called uh eggplant the secret life of games that i've been listening to lately very well produced program uh don't download their show download ours um cannibalization of audience etc but uh i i found out about their show through chat gpt somehow because i had no <laughs> idea that that was a thing that existed that until i'm like, like a, a interesting story i wish you'd tell <laughs> i was like hey chat gpt what are the best roguelike podcasts fish fish compliment compliment uh and it was like <laughs> well you should go check out roguelike radio unsurprisingly you should go check out this spelunky podcast i'm like spelunky podcast Oh, like they, it seems like, I think they had pivoted away from a podcast entirely about Spelunky one and two to other stuff and all the better for that. But, uh, I think like similarly coming back to, um, having people on the show to talk about games that they like and us like holding back from bashing on it. Uh, if we had someone who would like spent 15 years developing this game and Will's just like, uh <laughs> it point me out as if yeah that's probably what would happen that's almost exactly what would happen yeah they'd have to have thick 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 skin yeah i think the problem is that we're not actually we're, we're all frauds and we don't yes. we probably don't love roguelike games enough no uh like <laughs> i good. i think it's a, they're, it's a they're great. fun and interesting but they're not like my number one passion uh and I've, i'm very much enjoy yes exactly <laughs> Fashion is my number one passion. Um, no, but uh, like roguelike games are are fun and interesting to play because you can you can they they're small enough that you can kind of actually go through them and and not destroy yourself trying to do one every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have but a. Uh, I would be. I would be worried to ha- have someone on there and be like, "Oh no, I don't like your game." Oh. <laughs> I did have a uh, like a a card in the back of pocket of something involving roguelike developers, but not talking about the game that they developed, because then that gives yeah. us at least like some that. option of being like, "Man, that game was a real stinker, huh?" And then being like, "Oh yeah, it was, huh?" So at least it gives us that door door to open. I feel like if we had someone on our podcast, we couldn't play their game. <laughs> <laughs> we would just have to have them be like, or, or I mean, there are games out there that I'm like, I don't really like this game, but I'm fascinated by like the way that it was developed or mm-hmm. I want it to succeed so much. So like something like as uh, Warsim, yeah. I didn't like Warsim, but I would be fascinated to talk to the person who made it mm-hmm. because I would, be, I would be best friends with the creator of Warsim. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I would probably have more fun making Warsim than I did playing it. Because then you're starting to be like, that's a different kind of game. The puzzle is the game making itself. Right. Yeah. I think between like the podcast audio only medium that we put out once every two weeks, uh, a YouTube platform that I don't know, maybe we'll do something with question mark. uh, And every podcast has to have a Patreon, right? Maybe we could jam something into that. So I think all Uh these things are definite stay tunes depending on, podcast host availability and schedules and interest in these kinds of things. I think like we're all somewhat interested in these things, but just trying to figure out when and where to put them 
is is the question but yeah right and also like how, how many people are actually listening i i know of uh you and at least one other person hey man uh, we almost uh, have a hundred youtube views so you know yeah we just well for posterity of reasons you know when people are looking back on this podcast ten thousand years from now as the thing that really kick-started the second renaissance uh they're gonna be like wow they only had triple digit viewership at that point before yeah. the joe rogan podcast bought him out and then it became the number one in the world it's incredible <laughs> joe roguelike <laughs> joe roguelike <laughs> i i love how much i hate that yeah i i wouldn't listen to that um did we decide what we're doing for next week uh well before week? that before that uh oh. uh as we wind down here uh dahlia uh thank oh, you right. for for being on the podcast this week Pleasure to be. Many, uh future shows for sure uh do you have anything that you want to plug or promote or use as a as a grandstand for for the podcast for the next 35 seconds um no not really okay Excellent. What's your well, favorite you have... game that's not this one? Uh, I spent literally all of Sunday playing um, uh, my time at Sandrock. It's pretty good, but it's still in early access, so I don't know that I recommend it to anybody. Mm. All right. Well, there's a game that exists. There's a game <laughs> that exists, and if you're thinking about buying it, someone else already did. Well, there you go. Can't, can't have a more ringing endorsement than that. Excellent. Uh, social media plugs, grogpodzone at gmail.com if you want to send us in an email to read on the show. I've been trying to respond back to YouTube comments, but you hard hard to do that. Uh, but if you want something guaranteed to read on the show, send it there. Uh, Mastodon, grogpod at gamedev.place and all, all of our rankings, uh, previous episodes, all that good stuff can be found on our website at grogpod.zone. Our next episode, I think we we had... The ability to to card shuffle between our dealer chosen uh, grouping of Streets of Rogue, Gunfire Reborn, and Loop Hero, and I think we've kind of whittled it down to maybe Streets of Rogue at this point. Is that right, or do we have to have a coin flip off again? Loop Hero looked interesting. It, it might be more fun. I know I've played like probably twenty minutes of Streets of Rogue, so like I know it'll be at least okay. Mm-hmm. Loop Hero looks. Fun, but you know, don't know. I would be down for a coin flip, but I'll let you guys uh, weigh in on what you want to do here. I mean, without without trying to put too much thumb host pressure on the scale, uh, Streets of Rogue, you can do a four player local split split screen of all ape characters. So I'm just gonna throw that. Okay, out. That, that's. <laughs> I mean, I've played. I play. I own Loop Hero. It's pretty good. We should probably play it someday. But uh, I'm ready for some some Rogue Streets. I want to be an ape ooking and punching things. <laughs> Ooh. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All well, right. Next episode, uh, pencil it in for some. We're hitting the streets, the streets of Rogue. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put on some ape suits for that. I think. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs> With that very clever outro. Yes. <laughs> the, the outro segment is here. And now it is no more. <laughs>